You guys are going to have to um, buckle your seatbelts. I haven't preached in eight months, so I don't have any idea what's going to happen. I could just start yelling at you because there's a lot of pent-up preaching inside of me. So I have no idea. You might just have to buckle your seatbelts. But um, I know that when I, whenever I speak, uh, when I was in youth ministry, um, I, I had the opportunity to speak at conferences and retreats once in a while to high school students. And uh, whether I preach in this, in this uh, form, in this capacity, or whether, wherever I preach, I know that there's three types of people I'm preaching to. Um, and it, it's often very difficult to preach to all three at the same time because because um, they're, they're just so different. And I just want to kind of give you an idea of what those three are and let you kind of maybe evaluate your life and say, which, which one of these am I? Because throughout this message, I'm going to be speaking to one, to one or two of you at a time because it's going to be hard to speak to all three of you because of different areas you are in your life. So the first, the first category of people that are in this room right now um, is the pe- person that I would call is sold out. You are completely sold in the idea of Jesus. He died for you on the cross. He rose again from the dead. He lived a life that, was, uh, that he needed to live in order to satisfy the, the, the wrath of God so that when he died on the cross, all of God's wrath was poured up upon him. And you have placed your faith, your trust in Jesus. And you would, if I were to say, are, do you love Jesus? You would raise your hand and you would raise it uh, uh, um, uh, just, just happily. You would, you would raise it joyfully because uh, you love Jesus. And so those are, the, those, are, those are probably the majority of people in our in our, in our room today. Uh, but there's another group of people, um, and I would call you a seeker. You're not quite sure if, you've, if you want to follow this guy, Jesus. You've, you've seen maybe some bad examples of who Jesus is, but you've also seen some good examples of who Jesus is. And so um, you're kind of on the fence. There's lots of ways you can think about Jesus, lots of ways you can go about having a faith that doesn't even involve Jesus. So you're not sure h- how, to, how to pick an out and what, what version of Jesus do you want to believe in. And uh, so there's lots of things out there in the world that can confuse somebody. And so you're on the, you're on the fence. I would call you the seeker. You're not quite there yet, but you're interested. You're here and you're interested. You're seeking truth. So you're a seeker. And so, and I love that you're here. I love that you, 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 you didn't let the, the idea that you're not really sure yet to stop you from coming and to stop you from investing in what could be true. So I love that you're here. And my hope is that after today and, and, and whoever else God might put into your path, that you would switch from being a seeker to being sold out. That, that somehow the Holy Spirit would so move in your life. We believe here that the Holy Spirit moves in the lives of people to convince them that Jesus is Lord. And so uh, my words are useless without the Holy Spirit seasoning them. Um, if you know anything about my past, you would know that there's no possible way that God could, that God, um, uh, that, I'm, that, that I'm doing something, that God's using me because of who I am. God is using me in spite of who I am. Amen? For those of you that know me, you can say amen because you know that that is absolutely true. Shut up. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> So um, the, the third group of people that are in here, however, you're the skeptic, and you're probably the minority, uh, but I am so glad that you're here, because you're, you, you, while the sold out people, you would have a hard time convincing them Jesus does not exist, and that you don't need Jesus, and that, that there is no real power in his blood, there is no use for the scriptures, the, the Bible, the skeptic would be the opposite. It's going to be a hard sell for you, because you have built up a case in your heart that suggests that there is no possible way that a guy named Jesus lived a a perfect life because no one can be perfect and then died a perfect death and then rose from the dead out of no, this miraculous means was born of a virgin. These things just don't happen that the Bible is full of fairy tales and fables to you. And so now I am so glad that you're here too. And I'll be honest with you that this message, while I love those of you that are Jesus freaks and you love Jesus like crazy, this message is going to be directly pointed at the skeptics and the seekers. 
because I believe that today is a, is a great day for you. And what I want to do is paint a picture because we've been talking about heaven and hell. And I want to paint a picture of who, um, who the two players are that are captivating our hearts as it pertains to heaven and hell. And their names are Satan and Jesus. Those are our two main characters in our life. And if you didn't know this, your life is being um, grappled with between those two forces, between those two people, Satan and Jesus. They both want you. They both long for you. However, one loves you and one hates you. One is deceiving you and one is telling you the truth. One is trying to very desperately, out of every word that you could hear in the face of this planet, one is trying so desperately to change your mind about how you feel about who Jesus is and the scriptures and the Bible and faith and God and the Father and the Holy Spirit and church. Whatever it is, there's one that's trying to tell you the truth and there's one that's trying to deceive. There's one that's using their power to hurt you and there's one that's using their power to help you. There's one that's using their power for their own good and there's one that's using their power for your good. And my hope today is that if you're a skeptic or a seeker, that I would change your, literally, I'm telling you this as a display, I'm going to tell you right now, my hope is that I will persuade you to change your mind. That's my hope. And as much as I love you and as much as I'm glad that you're here, you are my target audience. You are the people that I'm speaking to because I was a skeptic who turned into a seeker who was now sold out. And I didn't love Jesus when I, until I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And until that time I was living like I didn't love Jesus. And it took a bunch of people and it took the Holy Spirit to convince me that I needed to, re, to, to be redeemed and I needed to repent of my sin. I needed to come to Jesus. So you are my target audience. However, those of you that are sold out, don't, don't, don't fade out on me. All right? Don't punch your card and walk out because I want you to understand that this is going to be powerful for you to remind you of the God that you serve. You are going to see, I am going to make a case for who Jesus is, his powerful, majestic, overwhelming strength in our world that he will win in the end of our lives. That if you're in Jesus, you are on the winning team because Jesus is going to win. Jesus is going to redeem. We learned last week that Jesus is redeeming everything. Two weeks ago, we learned that, that Jesus is redeeming everything. He's redeeming people. He's redeeming our planet. He's redeeming our earth. He's, he's redeeming everything for his glory. So if you're on team Jesus, winner. You want to be a winner? Team Jesus. Satan, on the other hand, loser. He's going to lose. He's going to be, he's done for. Jesus has already accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished in order to make us winners in him. Make us saved. Help us find salvation. So that's my point. So hopefully I haven't checked you out, but I just wanted to be honest with you to understand where we're going to go with this. So we're going to look at the idea between Satan and Jesus and who is really the one that we should be serving. So uh, we're going to look at 1 John 3, 8, first off. We're going to look at... Um, what Jesus came to do. So it says this, but when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the son of God, who is Jesus, came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, the beginning of that verse is kind of almost scary. When you keep on sinning, it shows that you belong to the devil. I belonged to the devil until I was 21 years old. He owned me. He had legal rights to me because I had offended God. I had, I had rebelled against God. I had chosen my path. I said, God, even though I, even though I didn't even know God existed, I didn't care that God existed. I didn't care that Jesus loved me. I didn't care that the Bible, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible. I didn't care. I don't care that the Bible tells me so until I was 21. My heart changed. I received Christ. I became born again, what the Bible says. But until that time, I belonged to the devil. But this says the son of man came to destroy the works of the devil. Give me some synonyms for destroy. What do you think that word destroy might mean? Just shout them out. Kill. Kill. I heard some others. What are other ones I hear? 
wreck. Huh? Oh, I see. You're a good student of mine. See, I taught this before. So you're, you're, listen, Steve. Good for you, Stephen. Thanks for ruining it for everybody, though. That's great. You wrecked it. All right, so if you didn't hear him, uh, that word is, is as big and as deep and as resounding and powerful as it seems. It says destroy, and it, it sounds like annihilate and crush and kill and maim. It really means untie. If you look at the Greek word, it means to untie. Because the idea is that Jesus came to unshackle us from the pit of hell. Our sin has put a shackle around us, and it is tied straight down to the pit of hell, and we are tied to it in our sin. And there's nothing, there's no key that exists outside of Jesus that can unlock that lock. There's nothing that exists that can unshackle us other than the fact that Jesus died for the thing that put that shackle on us to begin with. That is what is available to us. And so I'm saying this to suggest that Jesus came to unshackle us, skeptics and seekers. Jesus came to unshackle you from that which connects you to the devil and chains you to hell itself. I'm making it personal. I want you to understand something that happened to me at a young age, when I, even when I was in high school, before I met Jesus, before I gave my life to him, somebody made the, the, the gospel message very personal to me. And they suggested that Jesus doesn't just love people, Jesus loves you, and you need Jesus. Yes, you need Jesus. If you're taking notes, I'm going to tell you two ideas that, I, that you have to write down. If you don't write down anything else, I want you to write these two things down. And one's now. I'm going to tell you the one towards the end of the message. The first one is your sin is an unavoidable and reckless force in which you are attached to hell because of. Let me say that again. Your sin, if you even want to take, be a little gutsy, change it to my. My sin, make it personal. My sin, your sin, is an unavoidable and reckless force in which you are attached to hell because of. Just for a moment, let that sink in. Our rebellious acts against God have connected us, have attached us to hell, and we are helpless. There is nothing at all in our strength that we can do. Hopeless and helpless. We can pull on it. We can shave it. We can put a jackhammer on it. We can think of every means possible, but it is attached and it is strong. It cannot be taken away by human means. No good deed, no happy thoughts. There's no happy place. <laughs> it is a dangerous, demonic, malicious, vile attachment to hell itself. Simply because we chose Satan instead of Jesus by sinning and choosing to rebel against what he has for us. So your sin, I'm going to say it one more time, your sin is an unavoidable and reckless force in which you are attached to hell because of. Now, you may be asking yourself, how did this happen? How did this happen? 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Peter's warning his fellow, fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters, watch out for your great enemy. Underline the word great if you have a Bible. If you're writing this down, Put the word great somewhere in your notes. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now let's, let's, let's look at this verse for a minute. This could possibly be the most important thing I'll tell you today. 
those of you that are skeptics and seekers. This could be the most right here. Satan is the most dangerous enemy you'll ever have. Satan is the most dangerous enemy you will ever face. I don't, I'm not, what I'm about to say, I do not mean to diminish anything that's ever been done against you, but I want to make a, a clear point. I don't care who has hurt you. I don't care if you're, I don't care if there have been people, parents, spouses, um, grandparents, uh, teachers, principals, bosses. I don't care who has hurt you the most. If there's somebody in your mind that when I say who has hurt you the most, something happens inside of you and you, there's a wall that you built up against that person because they have hurt you and harmed you and abused you so horribly. It is nothing compared to what the devil wants to do to you. And I don't mean to diminish the pain that you might have had in your life, but I want, you to, I want to be clear in saying that the enemy far surpasses what he wants to do to you. Maliciously. All the time. Never ending. He wants you in hell. The enemy, the devil, wants you in hell. He is not a mystical creature. He is not a, a, a false, phony, made-up thing to make people feel scared. He is a legit authentic, angry, mean, menacing force that wants nothing more than to destroy your chance to get to know the King Jesus. So Satan is the most powerful enemy you will ever face. He hates you infinitely more than anyone on this planet. He hates you. Your great enemy. Your great enemy enemy. Number two, he will patiently wait for an opportunity to attack. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to attack. He will wait patiently for his opportunity in your life. Number three, his goal is to completely and ravenously destroy you. He's looking for someone to devour He's not looking for someone to simply confuse. He's not looking to, for someone to simply um, distort truth. He's looking to devour you. He's looking to overwhelm you with lies that are so convincing and so seem, seemingly so true that, that, we, that Christians and Jesus freaks and people that in this room would be say they're sold out when their hands go up in worship. It just looks silly to skeptics and seekers. It looks stupid. It looks like, it looks ridiculous. But you know why I know that? Because I was one of them. I would sit in conferences as a, as a teenager. When we go to youth retreats, I was part of a youth group as a teenager. The, the gospel message never took, not because it wasn't preached, but because my heart didn't want to give up what I wanted. It was preached well, and it was preached in its entirety, but I chose not to listen. And so... Um, I would see people raise their hands. I would see people begin to weep as, as Jesus would change their heart. And I just looked at them and I was like, this is, this is, this is weird. Who does that because of some spiritual force? Didn't make any sense to me. But his goal is to completely and ravenously destroy you. Here's the bold truth. Everyone is included. No one is excluded. Every person on this planet is included in Satan's plan to destroy. Nobody is excluded. Nobody is off his radar. Every single one of us. He says, your great enemy, Peter says, looking for someone to devour anyone. I want you to understand the significance that Satan has in our lives. He is the liar. He is the deceiver. 
He is the enemy. I loved what we, ter- what we learned in our marriage seminars because they taught, that, that, that they taught accurately that when there's an argument in the home, it's not you don't have an enemy in your home. You have a mutual enemy, Satan, who is lying to you and causing you to fight and causing. Where do, where do fights and quarrels come from within us, the Bible says? It says it comes from our own selfish desires. That's where it comes from. And the devil knows how to scheme in that way. He knows how to make that come out. He knows how to help us, you know, get our words out that we want to target at someone like darts. Because we know exactly, if there isn't somebody who knows exactly how to hurt someone, it's a spouse, right? Spouses know exactly where it hurts the most. Spouses know exactly where to go to hit that target that's going to push and prod and hurt. The problem is we have a mutual enemy who is the, en- who is the devil, But here's the cool part. There's another side to this. And let me be crystal clear in telling you that they are not equal. Satan and Jesus are not equal. You are not dealing with two opposing forces that are equal in power, that are equal in strength, that are equal in intelligence, that are equal in omniscient. Satan is not omniscient, which means all-knowing. Jesus is. Jesus knows everything. The enemy doesn't know what you think. The enemy cannot hear. He is limited in his power. He does not know things that Jesus knows. He does not have power that Jesus has. He does not, he is not everywhere present. Jesus is everywhere at the same time, all at once, all the time. (gasps) What? Hello, Jesus is everywhere, all the time, every moment of your life. Right now, in every church across America, Jesus is attempting and all over the world, in fact, every day, Jesus is attempting to speak to, the, to speak to the people of a congregation. He's not just here. He's across our country and across our globe doing what we're doing here. He's hoping to change hearts, to change minds, to rekindle what was once lost, maybe for some of you that would say, I'm sold out, but something happened. He's trying to do that. And he is stronger than the enemy. So we are not dealing with equal opposing forces. We are dealing with a force that cannot be beaten when we talk about Jesus. I want to prove it to you so that those of you that may be seekers and skeptics, I want to help you understand. Please understand my heart. My heart is to persuade you out of the deception. That's ha- Now, I know that's hard to hear. I know it. I was in your place. So when I say it like that, I know what I'm, I know what I'm risking. I'm risking pushing you even back further into the place of denial and further back into the place where you don't want anything to do with this. But my hope is that you'll hear my heart. My hope is that the Holy Spirit will begin to do the work that only he can do. So I'm comfortable in sharing that with you because it's not my words that, need, that you need to hear. It's the Spirit's words. And the, the Bible is clear that he uses people to bring forth that word. So 1 Corinthians 15, 54 uh, through 57 says this. Says then upon then, and he's talking about uh, death for followers of Jesus. So if you're in Christ, this describes you. If not, then it doesn't. Uh, then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, Amen. These bodies, will, when, we, when they're transformed, will never die. These bodies dying, new ones don't. Amen. Now, Pastor Barton thinks he's going to be taller than me, but he's not. See, it's not going to happen. This scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? I thought it was supposed to be a bad thing, and Jesus has conquered it, and says, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have to have an illustration. I got to have you help me with this, okay? We're going to make a point this morning. So I need a couple guys. I need a a bunch of guys. Guys, just just come up here for a minute and line up right here. Anybody, just come up. Come on. Don't be scared. Just do it. I'm not asking. I'm telling. Get up here. I'm going to start pointing fingers. Come on. Let's go. More. Let's go. Let's do this. Yes. All right. So stand right here and face the audience. All right. All right. So when I say go, Jim, hold on to that, brother. When I say go, when I say go, we're going to do something crazy. You ready? You're all going to give me money. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> that is crazy. That is crazy. I know. All right. So I need, this is a pretty, this is going to be a, maybe a little lot. Okay. So I need you to separate like this. Keep going down, move down, move down, move down, move down. All right. Now see the rope in front of you. I need you to pick that up. We're going to play a little old fashioned tug of war. All right. So, so Ira, I need you to move down a little bit. See, this is the midpoint. Now, I need, I need some... Um, can you come up here, buddy? Right here. Sit right here. I need somebody else. Jenny, you want to come up right here? Awesome. Thank you so much. When you, if you see this, Jenny, if you see this come past you, say, say stop. If you see this come past you, say stop, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to see... Now, does this look equal? No? Does anyone want to help? Does any man want to... Does anybody want to help? Come up and help? Oh, there we go. He's like, I can't let this happen. I can't let this showdown happen without me. Oh, he got another one over here. Oh, he didn't want you to. Anyone else? All right. All right. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Little old fashioned competition. All right. All right. All right. Now, don't hurt yourselves. You dressed up today. I know. Thank you so much. You're all in ties. You look so nice. Okay. Um, Maybe two of your ties. you look so nice. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, on the count of three, we're going to see, now don't pull so, now I know you're, I know that you, this is like your opportunity. If there's anyone over here you have issues with, please don't take it out up here. Uh, vice versa, okay? If there's someone over here you got issues, just deal with that on, with Jesus and yourself. Don't take it out on the, on the tug of war, okay? Tom's already pointing at someone. You're going, you're going down. All right, so on the count of three, just, you're going to, we're going to see. So when, if this goes over here, stop. If this gets over here, stop. You ready? Refs, you ready? Okay. One, two, three, go. You're going you're gonna to be up here for a little while. Okay. So I want you to understand that word victory. Now, now I'm just going to share a little bit. You guys just, just got to hang out because there's going to be some switches we're going to make. We're going to make a point here. You're going to help me make a point for Jesus. So all your, the skin that you just lost in that rope, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I promise you. Okay. So um, here's the idea. That word victory means to conquer through superior force. So what Jesus did on the cross was victorious and nothing could now... Now, this was too equal, to be honest with you. This was a little bit too equal. Um, and so what I need you to do is I need half of you to come over here. So let's say from, let's say from, yeah, Curtis back. Why don't you guys head over to that side? Oh, you're done? Oh. Okay. <laughs> he goes, my back won't let me do that again. Well, thank you for being discerning. Okay. So all you guys from Curtis over, go on over to the other side and pick up the rope. Don't drop the, you guys just drop. You guys are giving up. Don't give up. 
Jim, do not cheat. Jim, I know what you're doing. I knew it. I knew it. You can't tie that to the... See, just like the enemy, always looking for another way out. Thank you for doing just what the devil wants to do. Thank you for making my point very crystal clear. Okay. So um, now, now, if we tried to do this right now, do you think the result would be the same? Would it go over here? Or would these guys somehow miraculously win? What do you think? Raise your hand for this side. Who thinks this side's going to win? Who thinks this side's going to win? You need to go somewhere because you're, you're not right. <laughs> Whatever you did this morning, don't do it ever again. Um, now, here's another verse for you. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory um, through our faith. So here's, here's what I want to show you. This side, now this side is going to be a representation of the devil, which J- Jim very clearly illustrated for us. This, this side is going to represent Jesus, okay? Um, so all of these men represent the power collectively of Jesus, and these guys over here represent the power collectively of the devil. I'm sorry, Steve. I know you gave the right answer and everything, but that'll teach you for spoiling it for everybody. So... The idea is that through our faith, through our faith, now we learned earlier in our series that this is our default, that, that hell and the enemy is our default. But through our faith, through the idea of faith is trust. Through our trust in Jesus, we then switch teams and we are now in the, 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 the protection of our savior. And so when the battle keeps going at the end of the day, we win. We are joining on the winning team with Jesus. This is collectively his power in our life. He cannot touch us anymore. He has no more legal rights. And I want you to look how, look at the, look at the difference. Okay. There's these guys. There's these guys. It's actually still not fair though. Um, let's have everyone from Jim over, go over here. Everyone from Jim. Yeah, actually Jim, you should stay. You're the devil. So you, you go over, you can go over all you guys go over there. See, see what happens. Leave him alone for a little bit. Leave him alone. And he's cheating. Oh, brother. Good job. Good job on cheating. Ruining my illustration. Okay, so um, I want you to hear this verse. No, it says, no, despite all these things. Now, we're going to talk about the rest of this verse later. It says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. This means to obtain an extraordinary, it's, it's, a, it's not a close call. It's not a close game. You ever been to a game, a football game, and it's really, really close, and you're on the edge of your seat, and you're not sure what's going to happen? This is not one of those games. This is an overwhelming victory. There is no way, shape, or form that this person could ever come back. The score could ever get back to the, a, a close call. This is overwhelming the type of victory we're going to win. There's no hope for over here. No hope. Satan loses big time. It's not a close call. He will be demolished, destroyed. Our shackles are untied because of what Jesus has done. It's that stinking powerful. But this still doesn't really illustrate the point because he's still too strong. Jim, yes, even you are still too strong to represent the devil himself. Can you go over there for a minute? Uh, yeah, I know. I know you didn't want to. I know it was very hard because now you have to be good. I know because now you're on team Jesus, so you can't cheat and deceive. And, um, this is more like it. Might as well not be holding the rope. And I want you to understand something very clearly. I want, I want to read this verse. When I'm done reading this verse, you guys can have a seat. It says, he canceled the record of the charges against us. This is Jesus. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
In that way, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers. He disarmed them. They have nothing. There's nothing over here. He's disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them by public, publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You guys can have a seat. Thank you very, very much. You guys give him a round of applause. Put some aloe on your hands. It'll help. I promise. Or something. Oh, don't roll it up. I need it for next service. That's what you get for helping. Okay. So I want you to understand that in he shamed Satan publicly. The cross shamed the enemy. He thought he had, he had power. The enemy thought he was being deceptive. The enemy thought he was able to do things. But then Jesus died on the cross and Satan thought that was amazing. And then three days later, what happened? He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. We have more witnesses than we can shake a stick at from the Bible in those times. Now, I say this every time I say this because it doesn't, it doesn't matter that it was written in the Bible if you don't believe the Bible is worth reading. If you think the Bible is fairy tales, then if I tell you something was written in the Bible, it doesn't make any difference. So for you skeptics and seekers, understand that in those days when everyone was documenting everything that was going on around them, nobody for over 200 years wrote against the claim that Jesus rose from the dead. There is not one historical archaeological dig that has ever uh, dug up evidence of anything ever written that, dis- that, that, that dismantles, that distorts, or that takes away the claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Yet there are numerous and various sources, religious, spiritual, and irreligious, just secular government documents that claim, that, that show that people saw Jesus after he died on the cross. And not one document has ever been found to contradict that. To me, that's powerful evidence. If someone, if someone were to go around telling people, Jesus is alive and I saw him. And then 500 other people, the Bible says, saw him. And they're saying, Jesus is alive, we saw him. Somebody would come out and say, guys, I was there where you supposedly saw him and he wasn't there. Nobody wrote anything in contradiction for over 200 years. After 200 years, it started to be talked about that maybe it didn't really happen. And here we are 2,000 years later, where hundreds, thousands of people are deceived in believing it didn't actually happen. My fear for you skeptics is that you'll continue to believe that. My fear for you seekers is that that'll be the one thing that'll stop you from seeking the Savior someday. Because he has deceived you so much. Because I want you to understand this. Remember how I told you I'm going to have you write two things? The first one was your sin is an unavoidable and reckless force in which you are attached to hell because of. This is number two. This is number, big picture number two. Jesus, while your sin is an, is an unavoidable and reckless force, Jesus is an unbeatable and unmovable force in which the devil is utterly powerless against. Utterly powerless. For those of you that are sold out, you're Jesus freaks, and there are times in your faith when you feel low and you feel like you've displeased God, understand that he is still protecting you. He has nothing, the devil has nothing he can do against you because you are protected by who Jesus is. Find faith in that. You are victorious through Jesus. Now the question is, why would you not want to get in on this? My son and I, his name's Cohen, he's three, 
around the time he turned two, he, um, he started, we started this game. We, everybody in this room has probably played it. Hide and go seek, right? Hide and seek. It's fun, right? Well, with a two-year-old, it's interesting because he felt that if he would just, we would, he would go hide and his hiding maneuver, his big hide was to go lay on the couch and put his head behind the pillow. I can see his whole body. It's not hiding. He doesn't get the game. I'm like, so, but what I have to do as a great dad is pretend I don't see him. I have to walk, Cohen, are you under the table? What does Cohen say? No. I don't think you get the point of the game, bro. It's hide and seek, not hide and tell. So I then pretend that doesn't help me and give me a clue. Cohen, are you behind the couch? Cohen, are you blah, blah, blah? Are you blah, blah, blah? And then finally I go up to him and I'm like, I see where you are. Then he starts to move a little bit because he knows he's been found. And then I tickle him and he's like, ah, hide again, hide again. Okay, well, we'll hide again. That sounds good to me. Now here's the point of this. Cohen's worldview is so short-sighted that he thinks because he can't see me that I can't see him. Just because you can't see the physical manifestation of God does not mean that he's not looking right at you. Please, please don't make the mistake that my two-year-old son makes and believe that because you can't see him that he's not looking at you. And the difference between that situation is that God isn't pretending. God is chasing after you. He is chasing after you. And he wants nothing more than to correct your thinking as it pertains to who he is and what Jesus has done for you. I want you to hear the words of this verse. It's from uh, Romans 8. It's gonna, uh, from 31 to 39. And I want you to be encouraged by what you hear. If you're a believer, if you're sold out in this room and you, and you hear this verse, this should, this should spark some, re, some renewing interest in what you have invested in the gospel. If you're seeking, this should potentially change your mind. If you're a skeptic, this should potentially cause you to begin to seek because of the words that could be shared here. Because if these words don't ring true, then we're going to find ourselves in a place of deception. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If we are on the side of God, if we have given Jesus our life, if we have committed our life to him, now let me correct wrong thinking. Jesus never asked any of us to invite him into our heart. Jesus asked us to completely give up our life and follow him. So when Jesus comes to you, however he will, whether it's in a morning like this or wherever you're going to be, and Jesus calls you out of your sin, he is not calling you to invite him into your heart. He is inviting you into a powerful, redeeming relationship with him in which you have to reject all idols, all sin, and begin to follow him. That's what he's calling us to do. So understand that as we read. Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his will? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. Who then can condemn us? No one can condemn us. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from, the, from Christ's love? 
Does it mean, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Remember, we read this before. Despite all this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced. Paul was convinced because he experienced it. I am convinced that nothing, not most things, not the majority of things, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. They are powerless in comparison. Jesus is victorious in my life in many of yours. Jesus has been victorious. It says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, 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 nothing will ever overpower Jesus. Nothing will be created, nothing will be started, nothing will be initiated that will ever be able to crush Jesus' plan. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The moment that we decide, I don't want any of this anymore. The moment God starts to do something in your heart, you have a decision to make. The moment that you begin to think maybe there's something to this, you have a decision to make. Because believing in God is different than trusting in Christ. The Bible says that the demons believe in God, but they shudder. I wonder how much we shudder when we think of God. The demons do because they get his power. They realize that once a person moves from damnation to salvation, they've lost. They've lost. Because of what Jesus has done, the enemy has lost legal rights to many of you in this room. You have been transferred from a life destined for hell to a life destined for heaven. And, and, the, and the worst thing that we could ever do, if you're a skeptic or a seeker, please know this. The worst thing you can ever do is make a decision not to follow Jesus because of the other people that follow Jesus. Because the other people that follow Jesus make mistakes. The other people that follow in this room, represented to you for all the skeptics and all the seekers in here right now, in this room represented among the people that love God are gossip, slanderers, haters, people that make mistakes, people that cut people off in the road. There's people that have hurt other people. There's people that lie. All of us suffer through something. All of us, that's why we go to Jesus. He's the perfect one because we're not perfect. So please understand that you're not, you're not placing your faith in us as a Christian community. You are placing your faith in he that is perfecting us. He hasn't perfected us yet. He's perfecting us. So let me be uh, the first to maybe apologize for any bad example you've ever had of who Jesus is, but please understand that that's just possibly going to stop you from meeting the one that we serve because that's why we serve him, because we aren't good on our own. And we forget. We forget who Jesus is. We forget how glorious he is. We forget how majestic he is. We forget how strong he is. We forget how much of a mandate he's given us to tell you about who he is. We've forgotten sometimes. We forget that you're our mission. And we settle for something less than what God has called us to do. And I'm sorry for that. If you're someone in this room who has been hurt 
by a Christian community, if you're somebody who looks at something that a Christian has done in your life and it's hurt you and it's stopped you from coming to him, please know that that person is not who you're following. You're following a perfect savior. And that person needs just as much patience and grace as you're gonna need. Because guess what? The second you join Team Jesus, other people are gonna look at you like that. The second you come to Team Jesus and you begin to make mistakes even though you've been redeemed and you begin to try to make what God wants you to do and he begins to perfect you and he begins to chisel out of you the parts that don't belong and he does all the hard work and and sometimes you're going to deny it, sometimes you're going to hold your ground and sometimes you're going to let loose and you're going to let God have his way. In each one of those moments, somebody could come up to you and say, but I thought you were a Christian and the only defense I have for that is I am, but I'm not good at it all the time. So I want you to come to Jesus You're not coming to a church. You're not coming to a denomination. You're not giving your life to anything but the Savior himself. Now let me just, before we uh, close this deal here, anyone that opposes Jesus will lose miserably. Everyone that follows Jesus wins miraculously. We don't win because of who we are. We win in spite of who we are because of who Jesus is for us. Jesus took the punishment. Jesus crushed Satan. Jesus unties our shackles. Jesus dies for us. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He does all the work. I'm wondering how many of you are skeptics that would say, Maybe I shouldn't be a skeptic anymore. I wonder how many of you are seeking that say, I've been seeking way too long and I need to make a move. It's your move. Make, make the move. Decide. I know what it's like to sit on the fence because I sat on the fence for a long time. In fact, I went up at a youth retreat one time when I was a teenager. I went forward. I didn't have any idea what I went forward to. And as soon as I was done going forward, I basically went right back to my old life because I never actually repented. I just did what somebody told me to do. But I never repented of my sin. I never gave Jesus my life. I never committed myself to him and followed him. I never gave up my old life for the new life that Jesus was asking me to take. So when I ask you the question, Do you want to come to Christ? Do you want to find salvation? I'm not asking you, do you want to invite him? I'm asking you, do you want to ditch your old life and follow Jesus? That's what I'm asking you. Do you want to ditch your life the way you're living it now that is in direct rebellion against God, the God that loves you and cherishes you? Or do you want to give it up? Do you want to follow the God that loves you? So here's what I want to do. As we close this out, because this is church, we love each other. We love you guys. And I'm, I'm just going to do something that's, that's insanely crazy because that's who I am. I told you it's been eight months, so it's all pent up. But a lot of times we have people, you close your eyes and, and, and this and that. I, I want you to do something. If you're in this room, and I don't need anybody to respond for this. I'm just doing this between you and God for you, for your sake. If you're in this room and you would say, I need to come to Christ. I have been denying him part of my life. I have been rejecting him and rebelling. And now's the time that I'm going to, I have to decide for myself that I'm going to make it a, a point to come to him, to give him my life and to follow him from this day forward. 
If that is something that you know you need to do and you haven't done it, you've been playing the game. And this, let me be honest with you, this could be someone that's been coming to church for a long time. I went to church for a long time before I came to Jesus. The mistake we can make is that church attendance equals fellowship with God. If you need to be reborn, if you need God to save you because what's been spoken today resembles who you are, and you would say, I'm ready to make the move. I'm ready to switch teams. I realize I've been deceived. It's not because of anything I've said. It's because of something the Holy Spirit's done in you, and I don't want you to ignore that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm simply going to ask you to stand up and come up here with me because we want to pray with you. It doesn't matter. Now, let me be clear. I'm okay with no one coming up here. I just want to make sure that you understand that when you proclaim, I don't want you to secretly say, oh, I want to know Jesus. I don't want anyone to know that I want to know Jesus but I, want you, I just want to know Jesus. I want you to say, I am proud to stand up before people who also love Jesus and come up here and proclaim and say, I want to know Jesus. Because I think that the, one, the most marvelous thing that will ever happen in anything that we ever do as a church is people who come to Christ. And I want to share in that decision with you because it is an amazing and glorious decision that you make. So is there anybody in this room who would say, I need to come to Jesus. Statistically think statistically speaking not everyone in here knows Jesus the way Jesus has asked us to know him. Anybody you would respond and say I want to know Jesus. We've got $100 for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That would be stupid. I don't want to waste the time that we have here, though. If you, if you, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. So I don't want to end this message with anything but a call, a, a call for you to come forward and say, I'm ready before we move on to anybody. Just so you know, this moment passed me by five times before I came forward. I had to sit through this five times growing up as a teenager of people calling me forward, of people calling me and calling me out of my seat, calling me out of my sin, calling me out of my desperation, calling me out of my convenience and my comfort of my life before I actually went forward. And just so that you know, when I went forward, I never actually went forward. I knelt down at my chair and I cried before God and I repented before him. Anybody? Seekers and skeptics in this room, I am so glad that you're here. My hope is that you'll keep coming. My hope is that the gospel message would ring so true to you that the next time this opportunity is presented to you, that you will jump at the chance. As much as this might sound like a bad thing, I believe it's a good thing. I pray that God disturbs you with the message of Jesus, that it, it, it is so strong within you that there's no denying it, that something happens in your life that causes you to completely be sold out for Jesus. Because here's what I want to tell you. Neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. The moment you come to this side, your life starts over. 
I want to pray for you that, that know Jesus. If you're sold out in this room and you would say, I'm a Jesus freak, I love Jesus, I just want to pray for you. If we can have our team come up, we're going to, we're going to close in a song that I think is a very uh, fitting song for our, our time here. Because the, the, the word that we have to use when we understand what it really means to come to Jesus is the word surrender. We truly are surrendering. We are putting our hands up and we are saying, God, I surrender. I'm yours. Do what you want with me. Now, as difficult as it might have been for somebody who's in this room who might have been a skeptic and a seeker, as difficult as it might have been to sit through that call to say, please come forward, and as much as something could have been happening in their heart, for those of you that are Christians and are Jesus freaks in this room, it's equally as hard to admit that you've fallen short in areas of your Christian walk. It's equally as hard to admit to people to say that even though I love Jesus and I claim Jesus and I proclaim Jesus and I declare Jesus, there's times in my life that I don't live like Jesus. There's times in my life when my attitude is just stenched up. There's times in my life when I am just verbally destroying somebody else. There's times in my heart when the body of Christ is just not good at being the body of Christ. And the cool thing about the gospel message is it's just as true for you as it is for someone who doesn't know Jesus. It's, the, it's, it's what maintains our faith just as much as it is that which initiates our faith. So for those of you that might have been finding yourself falling short in God's grace, there is hope for you in the gospel, not in yourself, in the gospel, not in yourself, in the gospel. It shares with you that you are victorious and that you don't have to be defeated. So if you were living your life and you would say, there are parts of me that if people knew, they wouldn't think I'm that great of a Christian. Welcome to the club. But the gospel makes room for us. The gospel says there's room at the cross to bring that to his feet. So as we sing, people of God, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to come forward. If there is something in your life that you know that God needs to redeem, that God needs to cure, that God needs to do stuff in because you are neglecting to let him do it, I want you to have the guts and the audacity, just like you expected somebody in this room who didn't know Jesus to come forward and give their life to him. I want you to say, I'm serious about who he is, and I want to come, and I want to give him the parts of me that, have, that I've forgotten about him within. I want you to come forward and let God have his way in you just as much as we would want him to have his way in someone who doesn't know him. Can we do that, church? So I'm going to open the altars up as we sing. And anyone who wishes to come forward, if you want prayer, we'll have our prayer partners up here. If you want prayer for something specific, we can pray. If you'd rather be left alone and just have your time with God because you need to get something to him that says, I repent, I am sorry, fix me, repair me, revive me, uh, convict me, encourage me, whatever you need from God, please come forward and get it. There's something about removing ourselves from the comfort of that seat and coming forward and saying, God, I am all yours. I surrender. I surrender. Can we surrender? If you're someone who wasn't comfortable coming forward at the time that I asked for you to come forward as a skeptic or a seeker, this is another opportunity to do so. And you can chat with someone and say, hey, I'm one of those guys he talked about. I'm not really sure how to make this thing work. I'm not sure how to come to Jesus, but I'd love for you to explain it to me. We will explain it to you. We'll help you. This is another opportunity. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing. Let's stand up. And as we sing, I give you the opportunity, the privilege to come forward and be with God to let him do whatever he needs to do in your heart. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this room, God, there are people, sold out seekers, skeptics alike, that would take the opportunity now before them to be able to let you do what you need to do in our lives. That God, we have seen how powerful you are. The enemy is so powerless compared to you. 
God, help us to be reminded of that so we run after you, so that we don't, aren't defeated, we don't feel defeated, God. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts, that you would do stuff in us that you need to do. You know exactly what we need. You know exactly how much we need it. And you are well prepared to give it to us. Help us, God, to not reject what you would want us to have. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's respond to God. I'm
For those of you that are in your seats, I want you to understand that what we have up here are just people that are looking for God. Just looking for him to, to fill us up, to speak to our hearts. If there is anyone out there who is still a skeptic, is still seeking, I pray with all of my heart that God, the God of this universe would, would overwhelm you with the truth of who Jesus is. He cares for you so deeply. He cares for you so deeply that he will not stop chasing after you. And just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not looking right at you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand even deep, more deeply who you are. God, I pray for each person who came forward here that you would do in their hearts whatever needs to be done. Whatever hurts or pains or convictions they've came up with, God, I pray that you would deal with them adequately, that you would do in them what they need. Maybe not even what they would want, but what you want for them. Help us to be open-handed, God, to just come to you with empty hands saying, give me what you want, and we would receive it gladly, God. Help us to be that type of follower in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you guys can stay up here as long as you want and, and just pray and be before God. Um, but other than that, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys next week.